Welcome to the Mix in the Six podcast. I'm your host, Gina Marie, and thank you for tuning in to hear stories from the Mix community in Toronto and beyond. This podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples covered by Treaty 13. This space is all about sharing our stories, building community, and learning from one another and having fun. We hope that you enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody, this episode is brought to you by Sarah Chizek, a grief and sensuality coach who is our very first sponsor of the podcast. Thank you, Sarah. She is an incredible coach who focuses on the intersection of grief and sensuality and shows women how to harness the energy of sadness, darkness, and anger to convert it into pleasure, joy, and vibrancy. I personally have experienced Sarah Chizek's work through her swamp workshops, as well as her Grieve and Glow course, which has brought so much healing to myself. Also, Michaela is also in this group as well. And we are so, so excited to be working with her and to be sharing her work with you as well. She is an expert at leading swamp workshops. You might be wondering what is swamping? Well, it's a tool that Sarah has learned from the renowned teacher, Mama Gina, and it's a deliberate act of feeling your feelings, which is a radical act in today's day and age. And the objective of swamping is to draw forward your dark emotions, tears, rage, shame, anything that you're stuffing down and to turn that into sensuality, pleasure, aliveness, and really helping you move forward and feeling empowered by the emotions. It's so incredibly powerful. Something you really have to experience for yourself. Sarah will be hosting a swamp for the Mixed in the Six community and friends next month in April. So you're all invited. Stay tuned for details. And if you'd like a sneak peek, you can join the Women's Swamping Circle Facebook group, which I will put in the show notes as well. Sarah has a free guide on her website, sarahchizek.com, among other resources. She also does private coaching and, like I said, an incredible group program called Grieve and Glow. Definitely check out Sarah's work on Instagram at the Sarah Chizek. All the links for her work will be in the show notes. And yeah, if you want to just keep on feeling amazing and transforming your emotions into something beautiful, highly, highly recommend checking out Sarah's work. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mix in the Six podcast. I am joined by Cynthia, Anisha, Rupal, our special guests. We're going to learn all about them in a moment, but I am just thrilled and so honored to be in this room, virtual room with these three women talking about the very, very important issue of stem cell donations and bone marrow donations for people who need them. We have Cynthia No here who is Xavier Pizzito's mom, who we are, have been sharing his story all on across social media. He's a, a young three-year-old boy who is of mixed race background, who is in desperate need for uh, a stem cell donor. And then we also have Anisha and RuPaul, who are the co-presidents of the U of T Stem Cell Club. I got that right, right? You're both? Yeah. 
co-presidents. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'll introduce Cynthia. Welcome to the podcast. I feel like we know each other. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we have this uh, good connection with each other. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Maybe tell us a little bit about like yourself and who's in your family. I know we have, you have Xavier and uh-huh. another little one as well. And we have Lily who's one. And yeah, so Xavier is three. Lily is one. And um, before the pandemic, I was a hairstylist and um, that stopped as soon as I had kids. A stay at home mom watching my kids. And then 2020 pandemic hit. 2021, we found out Xavier had JMML. So it's been quite the time for you and your family. And yeah, I'm again, I'm so honored to meet you and to be able to share and hear your story and, and any way that we can support. This is the why community is so important. So thank you for being here, Cynthia. Thank you, Gina. Yeah. And Anisha, Rupal, tell us a little bit more about the U of T Stem Cell Club. How did you form and what is it that you do? Um, yeah, so the Stem Cell Club is a club at U of T. We're actually one of 27 chapters across the nation. And so we started by a Dr. Fingrot at, he started the club in 2011 at UBC actually. And so he's currently actually a fellow. He also does stem cell transplants. And before the pandemic, we recruited over 5,000 donors for different patients. But with the pandemic, we've kind of adapted our approach to more online. So we're trying to do online campaigns and share stories of donors and patients and just raise awareness about the importance and like process of stem cell donation. Yes. Thank you for the important work that the two of you are doing. I didn't realize it was such a huge thing. I thought it was yeah. just uh, Stone Cell Club, U of T, go U of T. <laughs> yeah, so it's all over Canada and we collab with Canadian Blood Services. Awesome. So it's just a direct pretty much. Yeah. And if it's okay, RuPaul, I heard that you work with physicians and are involved in directly involved in stem cell transplants. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Uh, so currently I'm working as a stem cell specialist at uh, Princess Margaret Hospital. Besides my studies, I really enjoy uh, working with patients, uh, knowing their story and trying to help them as much as possible. And I joined the Stem Cell Club uh, two years back and I got this job opportunity as well. So it's a great opportunity for me to actually raise awareness at the same time. Also uh, see the patients who are actually going through the critical time of their lives and trying to find donors. So we really understand the importance of why one needs a stem cell transplant from different people and why they cannot find within their families. And U of T is a great, and of course, other universities as well. The young generation are the best uh, stem cell donors. So why not raise awareness amongst ourselves and at least be on the registry? So if anyone has a chance to save someone's life, uh, they can. Well, we are going to get into it, but let's, why don't we start off strong? If you're listening and you're a young person, you got to get on the registry and we're going to learn all about why. And I think it's just so great that we have Cynthia who we're going to hear like a personal story, like of, of a real person who needs one right now. And then we have our experts. I mean, your experts to me, Anisha and Rupal, to kind of provide a little bit more information and context around stem cell and bone marrow donation and why, again, why it is so important, especially for the mixed race communities and other ethnic groups. 
We'll start off with Cynthia. I know I thought I'd give a little bit of context. I know people who are followers of the Mix in the Six community would probably already know this, but we had shared Xavier's story on our social media after. So it was your sister, Candice, who mm-hmm. posted the story in our kind of uh, community online group. And immediately everyone was like, please make this shareable. Please make this shareable. So we made, I asked her for permission to share it on our public pages. It went all over the place. And so, you know, and and since then, there's been lots more attention and, and sharing. And I think you and I have been able to connect on yes. social media. And this is the first time we're getting a chance to talk, but it's so, I feel like we're, you know, we're friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, um, you know, let's hear more about sort of your story. So, you know, tell us about Xavier. What is his mix? So Xavier is half Vietnamese and half Filipino. My husband's a Filipino one because everyone always asks. And uh, so where it started from. So we started to notice that Mm -hmm. every month he'd have a fever. Mm -hmm. And it was weird because I thought, you know, maybe it's just a common cold you get every month or something like that. And the season changes. And then we started noticing it's happening too often. And that was one of the signs. And then I had my Lily or I was pregnant. I had Lily. And, you know, when you're in mom mode, you're, you're tired, you're going through things and you miss things. You miss the signs that is right there in front of you. And then my parents who watch my kids sometimes would tell me, you know, Zavi's looking a little pale today. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's not eating enough or not having uh, enough sun or vitamin D or iron or something like that. Or, um, you know, his stomach is looking too bloated. And I'm thinking, I just fed him. He just had dinner. He just had breakfast, lunch, dinner and snacks throughout the whole day. But I didn't realize these were all signs leading up to the day he got diagnosed. Yeah. The day we went into sick kids. Yeah. Which was just around the just after the new New year. Yeah. After the new year, after he turned three and Lily had turned one. Birthdays and diagnosis at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. That is a lot. And it, it sounds like, you know, Xavier is kind of like a normal, fun kid. I'd love to hear more about like the things that he likes. But it also just sounds like he was just very like kind of feeling unwell and sort of routine kind of regular things. But they started all kind of adding up. I guess, what was it like when you received that news that he had leukemia? I had no words. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting because that day we went into the pediatricians and they said he's looking a little anemic. You know, worst case, I was thinking a blood transfusion. And when the doctors started asking me more and more questions, did his blood work, came back and told me that it was leukemia, my heart just sank. I I had no words. I was in denial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 How did the other people in your family respond? I know you're... Oh, we all cried. Yeah. And it was all through FaceTime because of COVID. You can't... The families can't all go into the hospitals. There's only one parent per patient. Mm. And we all cried through FaceTime. I almost have no no words to say. It's like when you when you're going through something like that, like the we, you want us to be held and and be close to family. Obviously, your your family is very close. I feel like I follow all of them now on Instagram, and everybody's sharing a story. So yeah, I can only imagine what that was like for you. I would, I'm curious to know, and I think a lot of people out there who are seeing his adorable photo is, is like, tell us a little bit about Xavier and what he's like and how he's kind of been through this process. 
Yeah, he's been really like they say kids are so resilient mm -hmm. and he's proven that and he's been so brave and strong. He understands that he's sick, but he doesn't understand to what extent. And that's the saddest part. And he just knows that we got to go into the hospital. We got to go do blood work. And he'll tell me once in a while, I hate blood work. I don't like it. Yeah. And then he started to hear uh, common words that the nurses and the doctors and, and I would say or talk about, you know, one new word he learned was chemo the other day. And he was saying, no, I don't want chemo, but, you know, it's the only option right now until we find a donor. Right. Yeah. So it's been it's been hard to see him go through this process, but he's been so brave and so strong and very resilient. And people don't understand that when they see him, they don't think he's sick. Yeah. Because of how happy he is. He's such he's my pride and joy. And. I'm sorry. He he is he is so high spirited and just your average toddler. <laughs> yeah. Just your average toddler. He's still the same, you know, but when he has his bad days, he's down. And when he has his good days, he's so happy, energetic, loves to see and talk to people. I'm not surprised that going through something like this would be difficult on those days, especially being a, a young, like just a little boy being in the hospital and, you know, has fears just like everyone else. It also sounds like he's kind of stayed the same like bright, yeah. smiley little yeah. guy through this process. Yeah. Yeah, he has. How about your daughter, Lily? You know, she's one. Does, does she, yeah. you know, we, we're going into our third season and we're talking about family. And I feel like, you know, how these things affect everybody is of curiosity for me. But how how is she handling it or responding? Does she aware that her brother is not um, not well? I think she has an idea, but I don't think she fully understands. Mm -hmm. She knows we disappear for a while and then we come back home. And in the beginning, that was hard on her. She grew very attached. She cried a lot. But then slowly she started seeing us again when things got better, coming home and leaving. She would adjust really well to that. But I'm just really worried for the next coming weeks or days how she's going to handle it if he gets sicker or anything happens to him. Yeah. But she's been doing well. And like as a mom, she's just turned one. So she's got so much more growing to do and developing and stages to go through that I feel guilty because I miss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're both so young and yeah. so close in age, too. I can imagine that's really, really challenging. And I'm curious, what's been the hardest part of this journey so far for you, Cynthia, and your family? It's the hugging, the closeness, yeah. the being together in one setting, coping together instead of coping distantly and through the FaceTime, through the phone calls and the text messages. It's not the same as I'm going to come over and we're going to talk about it and yeah. we're going to, you know, vent or, or just cry about it. Yeah. Yeah. So COVID has made it extremely more difficult to cope. Yeah. To be going through this in a global pandemic, mm -hmm. 
I mean, we did a whole episode on like the absence of touch <laughs> yeah, and how important that is for all of us, for our mental health. And then especially when someone is going through such a challenging time, like you and your family, Cynthia, which is, you know, also has made it difficult for people to become donors and, and things like that, which we'll get into in a moment. I'm curious to know, Cynthia, how is Xavier doing right now? Like, is he he's doing really good? Yeah, he's stable. Yes. Yeah, still the same energetic, bubble boy and loves to play with his sister and um he's doing really well right now yeah what have the doctors said the doctors have kind of like maintain a stable or consistency in his health for right now Right. We want to hopefully stay that way for as long as possible. Although it sounds like the best chance for a cure and, and for, you know, for his health is to find a match. Yeah. We'll come back to you in a moment, Cynthia, but I, I want to hear from Anisha and RuPaul about something I am aware of, but I, I was saying before we started recording that I still struggle with trying to explain why, like how come mixed race people are less likely to find a donor than other people? Yeah. Like, so Xavier is mixed Filipino, Vietnamese. I've watched a, a great film, Mixed Match by Jeff Chiba Stearns. Everybody go watch it. It was really great highlighting people from mixed race backgrounds who could not find, it was very difficult for them to find a match if they ever did. Yeah. If you could shed some light as, as to why that is. So that is actually a really good question. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really uh, want to emphasize this is that it is very hard to find a match for uh, mixed race people. It's because every single human, we are almost similar, but there is this 0.11% of our genes are slightly different. So those genes act as our barcodes. And if we don't find the person who can give us very similar barcode to us, then we are not likely to match mm-hmm. or the person, the recipient is not likely to react properly to the graft. Mm. And if they reject, then it's even more deadlier than the disease. That's why it's very, very important that we find that match. And the reason why it's hard is because of uh, the lack of diversity on the registry, stem cell registry. And if you go currently on blood.ca website and see there are 60 to 70% Caucasian people are on the registry. So they're very easy to find a match. Mm -hmm. But when you go and see non-Caucasians, they're very, very few, very less. The total is 30%. But if you are just like, uh, separating Filipino or in this case mixed race, that it will be even only less than 5%, which is very, very less. So in that case, it's very hard for mixed race people to find a match. So this is the reason we should keep doing what we are doing and encourage young people to actually register and be at least on the registry. So if someone needs a stem cell, they can actually donate. And yeah. stem cell yeah. donation is not something that is going to actually affect the donor. So if you can save someone's life without actually even affecting yourself, then you should definitely do it because stem cells grow indefinitely and you're going to replenish those stem cells in very short time. So why not save someone's life when you can? Sold. 
<laughs> I love that. I, I want to talk a little bit more about the stem cell versus bone marrow, but I just want to summarize. So it sounds like when you donate, like, I guess a part of your body, like that, your stem cells <laughs> and, uh, or you may, yes, yeah, stem cells in this case, there's like kind of like a code sort of everybody that's human might have, but you're, there's also that 1% that's more likely to be found in your same racial group. Same racial okay. group. And yes. then, so, you know, if, if say there was lots of diversity on the registry, then likely more people would be able to find a donor. But in the yeah. case of the current registries, more people on the registry are of Caucasian background yes. and then very, uh, very few. You, yeah, yeah, very few are yeah. other other ethnic groups. So my other question is, where is the, the greatest need for diversity? I know it sounds like the greatest need is for mixed race people, yeah. but, but what about other ethnic groups that are, are also maybe have low numbers of registrants? So specifically, Filipino people actually have less than 1%. That's not mixed at all. So just Filipino people are less than 1%. And Black people also have less than 2%. So those are definitely the greatest need within the non-Caucasian community. But like RuPaul said, it's all non-Caucasians that we need more representation of. Got you. Okay, so everybody who can get on the registry, get on it. It also sounds like that I actually didn't know those numbers, that the Filipino communities and the Black communities are really quite low. So shouts to the fam out there, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Um, and indigenous people as well. We don't have great statistics for that, but those are the stats that we have currently. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I'm curious, what's the difference between bone marrow and stem cells? Because I feel like I say both because I I know they're quite different, but I also don't really know (laughs) how to explain the difference. So, yeah, if one of you could share, what's the the deal with stem cells and bone marrow? (laughs) So bone marrow is, uh, is this spongy material that is uh, within your bone and stem cells live inside the bone marrow. So basically you can say bone marrow is the house for the stem cells, which provides a really good environment to the stem cells so they can replicate and be healthy and nice and protect us from uh, all the diseases, like all the bacteria, virus, going, all the environmental factors to our body. But you are right. So where the confusion arises is that sometimes uh, we say, oh, you are going for stem cell donation. And sometimes we say you are going for bone marrow donation. Yeah, so the difference between stem cell and the bone marrow donation is that when you say you are going for stem cell donation, those stem cells are actually collected from the peripheral blood. Peripheral and blood. Ah, yeah. I remember this. Yes, from the mixed yeah. match. Okay, yeah, go on. <laughs> and mostly uh, 90% of the donors do donate through peripheral blood because it's non-invasive procedure and they just uh, hook you up with the aphoresis machine. The machine separates stem cells from your peripheral blood and uh, the rest of the blood goes back to you so you're not actually losing anything and you are saving someone's life by donating stem cells so it's a win-win situation in uh, both cases so when you talk about bone marrow donation it's a little invasive procedure because they uh, do injection in your iliac bone uh, so hip bone Mm -hmm. and they extract bone marrow and they transplant bone stem cells with the bone marrow to the recipient so that's the only difference but bone marrow it is less preferred because uh, there is more pain in the bone marrow donation However, the techniques are actually getting very, very good and the machines and the needles, everything. So 
Now, it's not much pain. You can see our former president, actually, of our group, Daniel, he donated bone marrow and he was fine in only two weeks. He only like was in the bed for like one or two days and he was up and like yeah. weight lifting. So bone marrow <laughs> donation is not even that scary anymore. Yeah. Although physicians always make sure that uh, they are not putting anyone's life in danger, no right. recipient or even donor. Yeah. So, yeah, if, even if you choose to do bone marrow donation, you'll be given like assurance that nothing will happen to you. Okay. My question around that is if it's less invasive to do the stem cells, what would be the reasons why someone would do the bone marrow route? Would that be because the recipient, like for instance, for Xavier, is it, does he need stem cell? Could he also do bone marrow? I'm just kind of wondering how it's chosen. Like what's the process there? Yes, actually, so the both uh, techniques are effective, okay. but there's a slight difference uh, because uh, as I mentioned, the bone marrow is a good environment for the stem cells to live in. Mm-hmm. So when the stem cells go out of their house, they're not as secure or healthy, you can say. Mm-hmm. So if you donate stem cells with the environment they really need to stay healthy, then it is better because uh, the health of the stem cell in the recipient is going to stay as healthy as what's in the donor for a very long time I as see. compared to if you take stem cells from the peripheral blood. So it sounds like if you donate your stem cells, they'll, it'll be effective. It sounds like it could be a little bit more effective if they come with the house that they live in. Yeah, which provides <laughs> nutrients to the stem Got cells. Got it. Okay. It's ultimately up to the physician to like yeah. evaluate the circumstances. So you don't really get to choose, oh. but it really depends. So like for bone marrow, it's often more, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it is more common in like younger children. So around Xavier's age or even younger than that, because they would respond to it better. I see. So for for a young person, perhaps like the potential donor, if the doctor, you know, believes that a bone marrow transplant would be best for him, that would be an option. But it's like the stem cells is what's going to save. Yeah. Is the kind of the um, goodness that's going to help someone like Xavier yeah. get better. Okay. I studied science, but you know. <laughs> That's why you you two are here to help help fill in the blanks. But yeah. And so what happens when someone is selected to be a donor? I think a a lot of people have that I know have joined the like through the community and and through the posts have have joined the registry. I think sometimes people are like, so what happens? Like, you know, if if someone gets chosen, what's the steps? So that is also a really good question. Basically, if you are a match and you get chosen uh, as a donor, they want to make sure at the time of the donation, you are still willing to donate. Yep. And the answer still remains uh, yes. Then uh, they call you in for blood work. They want to make sure that uh, at the time of the donation, you are healthy. Mm-hmm. You do not have any type of uh, disease because when you register and when you actually get to donate, uh, there is so much time in between, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes years. So they want to make sure you are still healthy. After they confirm that you are healthy enough to donate stem cells, physicians see when the recipient needs the stem cells. And depending on that schedule, they let the donors know. And they start giving out uh, uh, granulostar stimulatory factor. So it's basically a growth factor that stimulates stem cells in the bone marrow, which moves stem cells from the bone marrow to the peripheral blood. So they take these pills for around a week. And 
after a week, they go to the apheresis unit and where they get the stem cells collected. So that's the process uh, when you actually get selected as a donor. And if you choose to give stem cells through peripheral blood, but if you choose to give donation through bone marrow, and so it's basically a different process. You don't have to take uh, those pills. It would be depending on when the recipient needs stem cells. Mm -hmm. They would just uh, call you in and they would, of course, get your consent for the procedure. And bone marrow donations are mostly done under anesthesia. They uh, yeah, make sure that uh, you are okay with that. And um, as I said, they always make sure that nothing happens to the donor or the recipient. So if you are scared that oh, something is going to happen to you, that's the reason you are not uh, yeah. uh, registering, then please uh, don't think that because uh, nothing happens to the donor. Yeah, uh, yeah so basically they uh, collect your bone marrow and give it to the recipient. And uh, the time between uh, the stem cell collection and giving to the recipient, they keep it very, very, very minimal. They try to do it almost on the same day. Oh, wow. Uh, most benefit happens to the recipient. Uh, but if not the same day, the next day, definitely the recipient is going to get the stem cell. Wow. So it, it could almost like go from like room potentially. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And if it's in the same country. But even if it's in a different country, we receive stem cells from Germany very, very often. Uh, at least five, six uh, patients uh, receive stem cells from Germany every single week. And uh, so stem cells are collected in Germany. Um, before next day, the stem cells are here. So it's very fast process. Wow. Go Germany. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, actually uh, yeah. really, really good registry. Oh, good. Yeah, well, we got to work towards that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Nisha, I saw your, when, when Rupal was talking about that, you know, nothing is going to happen when, uh, you know, that it's yeah. very safe. It sounds like maybe, th is that a question that people, like maybe some of the students at your drives have asked you? Um, could you tell yeah. us a little bit more about like how you could maybe reassure people that it's it's okay? <laughs> or what kind of other questions yeah. you have? Yeah. So, um, well, when it comes to peripheral blood donation, there is pretty much very short-term side effects. It's things like headaches, maybe like some nausea, some fatigue, but it's very minimal and it only lasts like a couple hours. So it's very similar to like a blood donation process. The whole peripheral blood donation takes, I think, maximum like six hours. You just go there, the apheresis machine separates your red blood cells and your stem cells, and then you get all of your blood back. So that one is very minimally painful. It's not really painful. Um, and with the bone marrow donation, like RuPaul said, they always keep the donor's best interests. So it's not going to cause you like any excessive pain. Um, it can last maybe a couple of like days at maximum where you have fatigue, again, mm -hmm. some nausea. Some people report having some insomnia and some discomfort, but a lot of people actually report the pain that they feel after bone marrow to be similar to like falling on ice. So it's just kind of like some soreness that you get, but then it, it very quickly recovers. So pain shouldn't really be like the reason that you don't want to register. Yeah, that's. I'm really glad that you're bringing that up, and I wanted to share that um, a blood drive. We it was mixing the six for Ari. Ari Dinelli is a, a young. Uh, well, he's getting older now. I think he's a teenager. He's got aplastic anemia. We've done some work with um, his family, uh, and we did a, a blood drive. and And I I donated blood. Of course, it wasn't for for six hours, and it wasn't for stem cells. But I like they gave me cookies. Like I lied down. It was. I actually felt like really. I did feel tired, but like, you know, I've went 
I did a spin class and I was felt tired, more tired than donating blood. So, you know, I think that's important to demystify that it, it's not something that's going to disrupt your life at, at all. And, and in fact, yeah. when I, when I donated blood. I felt like really happy and emotional. I felt, you know, the nurse even told me, she, I was like, how many lives am I going to save? And they, she's, she's like three lives. And I'm like, three lives. That's great. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. And, uh, in the movie, uh, mixed, um, match, um, there is like some stories about people who have donated and, and then their recovery was quite fast. And like you said, RuPaul, you're one of your members, uh, Daniel was yeah. like lifting weights, like working on his gains, like two days later. Yeah. So it's, it's not a huge deal. Um, I have a question about what are the requirements? Um, I've heard, like, I've, I've seen like you have to be like kind of a certain age, which is a little bit of a challenge. Cause I know when I was sharing Xavier's story, some people were like, I'm too old for the registry. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering like what are the requirements and just kind of letting people know um, if you're eligible what those criteria are. So to be eligible, you have to be between the ages of 17 and 35. The main reason for this is because they're optimal donors and you would also be in the registry for longer. So this is why they prefer like a younger age. Um, you have to be in good general health. So when you register, you'd have to complete a health questionnaire. And like RuPaul said, once you get selected, they like we examine your health just to make sure you're healthy. You have to be willing to donate to anyone in need. And that's something I really want to emphasize. Some people um, register because they're like, oh, I want to help this specific person. But there's no guarantee that you'd be only matching to that specific person. And you could match with anyone like anywhere in the world. Like RuPaul said, from Germany, you could match with anyone. And what we try to prevent is people getting matched and then kind of backing out because it creates a lot of false hope for the donor. And we, we don't really want that. So we just want to make sure everyone's informed that it's no guarantee that you'll only be matched with one person. Um, You have to be willing as well to donate, um, not donate, like give a cheek swab just to get your DNA so they could match you up, complete a consent form. And you have to have healthcare coverage if you're a Canadian citizen and registering to the Canadian database. But if you aren't, there are your own country's databases that you could also look into. And so... A couple things. I'm 35 now, but I have been on the registry for well, a while. <laughs> oh, I just shared my age. It's okay. It's no, no big deal. 35 is fine. Um, but anyway, I, can I still donate when I turn 36? Like, is that okay? I just, it's yeah. just like they're trying to target new donors to be under the age, between the ages. Yeah. So you'll actually be on the registry for life. So oh. you can be called at any time, but it's just more likely for you to be in a, I guess, more healthier condition to donate at that age. I am ready to donate my bone marrow <laughs> and stem cells whenever I'm called. So I'm, yeah, just, I, I, but I actually had that question too, is like, do I get, do I phase out? But once I'm registered, I'm good for life. And then um, you were talking about the cheek swab. So I know that there aren't any in-person donations right now. So like, how, how can people register? Like, what do they do? Where do they go? And, you know, click, click, click. And you s- sign up and they send you a package. What's the deal? Yeah. So first we just want everyone to be informed about the process again, just to avoid people dropping out later, but you can go onto the Canadian blood services website and you can um, register over there. There's also a link in our bio for our Instagram, um, UFC stem cell club. Um, so you can register and they kind of walk you through it, but basically you'll get sent a swab kit. And as part of the swab kit, you get a little pamphlet just for extra information. 
elasticating cheek swab. So it's basically like just brushing the inside of your cheek for a couple seconds. And in person, we would kind of demonstrate it, but um, they have a pretty good process of it. So it's around four cheek swabs and you fill out the health questionnaire and everything is confidential and private. And then you would mail it back to them. And once they receive it, you would get a confirmation email. And then eventually you would be selected if you're a match for someone. Great. It's it's super easy. I did it in person. And then also want to highlight that it's really important that if you've registered to go to blood.ca and um, maybe you registered a few years ago, your demographic information or like your address, yeah. your email address, your phone number is still the same because sometimes people might get called and then they moved or, you know, they changed their number for whatever reason. So um, I know I've been, I shared that on my personal Instagram to make sure you've uh, for those who have registered. Yeah, have that's that really important. Yeah. I, if someone can't donate, if they're ineligible, what are other ways that they could help out? Um, so, well, the main thing is just to tell people that you know who are within that age range and who are eligible to donate. Um, you can also help us as you can contribute to the stem cell club, but also just generally raise awareness about the importance of the stem cell donation. And if you are eligible to donate blood, you can also donate blood. Blood donation is still very important. Like you said, you can save a lot of lives with blood donation. So those are some ways that you can help out if you're not eligible. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just add here, if you would like to volunteer with us, you can join our club as well. Do you have to be a U of T student? No, No, you you don't have to be. (laughs) Okay, cool. That's awesome. If you're looking for something to do, this is a great way to contribute. Yeah, Yeah, thanks for that plug. I'm curious, uh, Cynthia, do you you know how many people have joined the registry, sort of motivated to support Xavier, but but can help anyone? Do uh, do you have any idea of what those numbers might be? Um, I've had a few uh, close friends and some of my clients who have told me that they registered um, to become donors. Not an idea of how Mm -hmm. far it's got, like extent that we've gotten people to register. Yeah, I probably hard to know. I always kind of am curious because like you were saying, Anisha, it's like it's important for people to know that once you register, you could help anybody. But so many people are, you know, are are often inspired by these these stories like Mm -hmm. Xavier's and the ones that you share. Yeah, please keep sharing everybody who's listening, uh, Xavier's and all the other folks who are on the the U of T Stem Cell Club page. And Cynthia, you know, since having Xavier's photo shared on, on Facebook and on our social media, you know, right. Very shortly after that, you were on Omni news, I believe also CTV, the Toronto Mm -hmm. star, and maybe some other places as well. (laughs) What was, what's that been like, um, for you to, to kind of go from you're a mother, but now you are, you know, stepping into this role of like an advocate and a voice Mm -hmm. for your son and and others. Um, what's that experience been like for you? Um, my mind is still blown. Like I didn't realize how it word spread like wildfire mm-hmm. and it just took off and I, there's no way to stop it, no way to control it. You just got to go with the flow. And at the same time, I'm with him during doctor's appointments or hospital visits. And I'm just doing interviews here and there and it's just like taken off and it's been really good to see how much I can use my voice to help him and help other families who potentially need a donor as well. I know I was curious to know how many people have signed up but I I, I know it's 
been more than just a handful of people. Um, I mean, I'm not really good with numbers, but I can see the analytics on how often, how many things are shared on our social media, but, but also uh, the Omni News was clip was seen by thousands and thousands of people, like 20 upwards of 20,000 people from the Filipino community. So, you know, I just want to acknowledge that is really far reach. And I'm, I'm hoping that that um, really inspired not just a handful of people, but hundreds of people to join the registry. And, you know, what do you hope will come out of this journey for Xavier? Yeah. I publicity is kind of been growing like wildfire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really hope that we're able to reach the younger generation mm-hmm. and stress on the importance of becoming a donor and that it really doesn't hurt like the procedure or donating or becoming a donor. It really doesn't hurt. It's only going to be hurting the recipient uh, more than the donor. Mm-hmm. You're just going to, you know, you don't feel as much pain or or go through as much as a recipient would go through. And I think that's the, one of the things is they're so scared. They're so scared that it, they're scared they're going to lose their life from just becoming a donor. And we need to kind of re-educate the younger generation and get it out there that um, all the facts so that they're more aware yeah, the awareness piece is huge. I, I've had some conversations with friends who follow the, the, my stories and the mix in the six that they're like, I didn't even know that this was a thing in my, uh, that was an issue for, for, for mixed race people, particularly in my, my child is mixed. I, I'm going to jump a little bit back to like the kind of medical stuff, but I, I from what I understand is if we, when you have a child, you can save some stem cells? Is that possible? Like, is that uh, RuPaul or Anisha? Is is that something that people should be aware of? Because I, I think that's pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is an option uh, of uh, saving your umbilical cord stem cells. Yes. Uh, yes. When you give birth to the child. Okay. Uh, yeah. That is also very important and people should be very aware and not scared of saving those stem cells because uh, you never know what hap- what life brings. So you if that can help you in the future, uh, if something goes wrong with you, your child, family member, if uh, the stem cells matches uh, to their body. Right. Yeah, that's very important. Yeah. So I guess there's no better stem cells that are your own. So if there's a way to save those, then that would be yeah. really helpful. Okay. I, I think I, I, I talked to some friends and family who are, are new parents and I think that's not actually something they were even, I was on their radar. So I want to make sure that we, we share that. Back to you, Cynthia. I know the power of social media is such an incredible thing. And I know in the absence of being together, uh, the, the, the sharing of Xavier's story and his photo, and we're going to keep doing that is really critical. And I'm just you know, wondering, is there anything that you'd want to share to to say or to those people who have shared Xavier's story? I uh, really want to say a big thank you from our family. Without the sharing of his story, we wouldn't be able to get as much um, awareness right now and all the support and the love from everyone out there. Or you've been a big help for sharing his story. And don't stop. <laughs> There's yes, and please don't yeah. stop sharing his story. Yeah. Please continue sharing his story to bring awareness for us to get 
uh, as much potential donors out there for him or for any other child in need. Yeah. Um, just I, quickly. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jerifal. Yeah. yeah. I will just uh, quickly add here. Yeah, Cynthia said it very nicely. Don't stop uh, because uh, we need to find that one match. In the beginning, we mentioned there is a barcode. So we really need to find who is the match for Xavier, who's going to save his life. And in the process of sharing, you are helping in saving many other people's lives. Yeah, because wow. they all will be on the registry. Yeah, it it really is so simple. So I mean, it, you can register and get the swabs sent to you. The swabs, what kind yeah. of swab? <laughs> Q-tips like a brand. <laughs> it, it takes just a few minutes. It just takes a few seconds to share a story. Um, can save someone's life and and hopefully Xavier's. So any are there any like updates or any kind of hopes or things that you have for the future? Uh, we do have an update. Um, the doctors have talked to us recently and they've been in the background um, getting things sorted out. They have uh, potential donors that they're looking at and uh, potential cord. They're just tying up loose ends and just making sure that, you know, which one is the best for Xavier. And we can only hope that they make the best decision that they can for him mm -hmm. and that it is a match and uh, he will get his transplant soon hopefully we are all praying for the best i recall or any shade and one of you has said that sometimes the, there's like a perfect match but sometimes there's part matches so i can under appreciate that there's some hope there also still some important uh, steps that need to be taken before we, you know, for sure. And so we will just keep praying for Xavier and doing everything that we can um, to support you and your family. I, I know there's other ways people can support you, Cynthia and Xavier. I know there is a GoFundMe page. I, I know in the middle of a pandemic to have your son going through uh, chemo and this ordeal, I think this is really, really critical that if people can't donate, join the registry, if they can um, support your GoFundMe. I'm just going to share the link on the, on the show notes. Is there other ways that people can uh, like follow you or learn about your family, um, support you in this process? Yes. So I, we do have an Instagram page at Pasito Family. And I've also made a YouTube account, uh, Pasito Family as well, uh, that I try to update or try to stay on top of updates every week, every day. It's all there. And you can just follow our journey and what we go through and any new news we get from the doctors. Yeah. Beautiful. Just stay connected with us through that. Yeah. Yeah. That connection piece is really, really great. I'm, I just want to acknowledge you, Cynthia, you're such a, like you have a really beautiful heart and a beautiful soul and, and to be going through all of this and sharing your story and then also making a YouTube channel, which I know is not easy, but, no, but just to, and know. to be honest, I didn't think I'd want to, but because of a pandemic and everyone wants to know what's going yeah. on and family and friend wants to know what's going on. And I think this was the best way. Yeah. I mean, I can do live videos and stuff like that, but I also want to save it as part of our journey going through this yeah. and watch back on it. Yeah. 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 Kind of document the the, the journey together. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm curious, is there, you know, what have been some of the perhaps blessings that have come from this journey so far? Knowing that there's so much love and support out there mm-hmm. is the biggest one. And all the prayers and um, everyone wishing him well, it means a lot to us. Yeah. I loved seeing Xavier smile when he got his gift the, from that I, yeah. I can't remember what was it. Was it love box from uh, the Super or the Sophia Project? Yeah. They are connected with sick kids, and they also take donations um, to help give kids these boxes that go through these journeys. And it just brings a smile on their face, and it cheers them up what they're going through. And it, it's a lot in a box, and it really made him happy. <laughs> okay, that's. Amazing. Yeah. I think I'll put the the link to um, the love box through the Sophia project on there. Cause I think those small things, right. The prayers and obviously donating and registering and all that. And, um, but also just putting a smile on um, like Xavier's face and, and other young kids that are, are in the hospital right now. Um, you know, those things go a long way. So if you can, if you're listening, do all of the things, <laughs> register, donate, um, share, learn, you know, just keep being informed. And, um, I know we'll include links to U of T stem cell club and, and any other, uh, resources in the bottom of the, the show notes for this, this episode. I am coming to the end of our time. I'm, I'm really just grateful to have, been able to listen to each of you share your your story and your wisdoms. This is a a really important issue that we need to continue to talk about. I watched a movie about this, but I still didn't really understand how it worked, but now I, I remembered. So it's so important to keep these conversations going. Um, Anisha, uh, Rupal, are there sort of any kind of final uh, links or resources that we can share with the audience? Yeah, so um, you can follow us on our Instagram and Facebook page. Um, for our Instagram, it's just UFT underscore Stem Cell Club. And you can find us on Facebook under the same name. And we have a link to our stem cell to register as a stem cell donor. You can also just go onto the Canadian Blood Services website where you can register and learn more. And you can also just ask us, do you have any other questions? And we'll be happy to help. Awesome. Send them the DMs and they'll be (laughs) really responsive. Um, Cynthia, we're sending you so much love. I don't know if Xavier is there with you, but... Do you want to see him for a little bit? Yeah, Um, we'd love to. Come here. Come he is gonna go out for a bike ride with his dad. <gasps> Enjoy the beautiful weather. Yeah. While he... Come here, come here, bud. Ooh, ooh. Come. Say hi. Hi, Sammy. Hi. 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 Oh, <laughs> hi. <laughs> How are you? Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. We want to wish you um, a really good day and a bike ride with your dad, Xavier. Hope you have fun. Yeah, yeah enjoy it's the weather. Yeah, that's <laughs> He's so Thank cute. You. Thank you. This dad. is my dad. Hi, Dad. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and is Lily there too? No, she's having a nap. Yeah, right now. Lily's having a nap right now. He's sleepy. Oh, she's getting her beauty sleep. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Xavier, is there anything you want to say to the internet? <laughs> What do you want to say? Please, please, please donate. Please register. Please <laughs> register. 
He's a little shy. That's okay. Yeah. So he does want to say, please go out there, register, become donors, uh, spread the word um, to your friends and your family, wherever you can. I, I think that's what that means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my mother. Sorry. He's just playing now. It's, it's okay. It's totally adorable. <laughs> well, thank you, Xavier. We love you and we wish you all the best. Keep smiling. And um, oh, there we are. Oh, sorry. Say thank you. Thank you. Yes, you're so welcome. And you. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Yes, thank you all. And Love you all. Bye. Get out there and register. Bye. Love you yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, register. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Mixed in the Six podcast. Like what you hear and want to support mixed race stories and topics? Head on over to our Patreon for more bonus content. We have juicy topics such as sexuality, wellness, gender, interviews with special guests and experts, as well as Mixed in the Six merch, all at patreon.com forward slash Mixed in the Six. For a monthly subscription starting with $7 a month, it really, really helps us keep the project going and we will love you forever and of course you can show us love on social media like comment subscribe give us a review and dm us with your mixy story we love you and talk to you soon